We're going to get right into the word of the Lord this morning. I'm going to be sharing with you today from primarily from Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. The title of today's message is Moving What Mountain? How many people have ever had a mountain or have a mountain or several mountains in your life that you think that should be removed, can be removed, and will be removed? Amen. Mountain moving faith. And so we're going to be talking about that today. I want to encourage you in your heart concerning moving the mountains. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, having faith in God to move the mountains and then also identifying the mountains, moving what mountain. And then thirdly, I want to get to, if we have time, on how exactly are we going to move that mountain. And so uh, you bear with me today and we'll get right into the Word of God. I'll begin reading from Mark chapter 11. In verse 22, in Mark 11, this is the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Then we have the, the temple cleansing, as the Bible refers to it as a cleansing. But uh, really, in reality, what he did is he closed down the temple. There's a new paradigm. There's a paradigm shift taking place here, and it's going to be God's no longer dwelling in a physical temple, but he's now dwelling in us, his very own creation. And so uh, in Mark chapter 11... Begin reading at verse 22. Uh, uh, Jesus has also, I want to mention to you this chapter. Also, we have this illustration of, uh, not the illustration, it's the story of Jesus cursing the fig tree. When he saw the fig tree didn't have any fruit on it, he had cursed that particular tree. And the next morning as they're walking by, the disciples were amazed because they had heard Jesus curse the fig tree. And the next day they're walking by and they see the tree that's already dried up from its roots. They are intrigued by that because they had heard Jesus speak to the tree the day before. And, uh, and so they made a comment to Jesus about it. And Jesus responded to their amazement concerning the fig tree. He didn't really keep the conversation going um, concerning the tree, but he made it as an illustration, as a lesson, a teaching moment. And in verse 22, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. Everyone say, have faith in God. So Jesus simply replied to them, have faith in God. Then he continued in verse 23, he said, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. So having faith in God, mountain-moving faith. I find these verses probably the most inspiring verses on the, on the topic of, uh, of faith and prayer. In moving mountains and praying prayers of faith and having our prayers answered, I believe we have uh, in this particular context right here, it gives us the universal uh, spiritual principle that can be applied to every aspect of life, to things that are considerably small in life, to things that are quite large in life. You know, mountains, what you consider to be a very large mountain, something that appears to you to be insurmountable. And so from little things to big things, don't hesitate to uh, apply your faith that you have in God. Because it does work, and when we are operating in our hearts with God and in our faith to God, we will see mountains being removed, and we will witness our prayers being answered. And so first thing that we need to look at here this morning when we're talking about a mountain-moving faith, 
moving those obstacles in your life that look like they're just not going to move. Matter of fact, the more you talk about it, the more you think about it, just, it actually appears like it's getting larger. Has that ever happened in your life? Things seem like they're getting larger rather than smaller. I have, a, I have what I think might be an answer to that situation this morning. So you keep listening. Keep listening. Because there's a principle here, the universal principle here that Jesus is teaching. It's going to determine whether your mountain's getting bigger or whether it's going to get smaller. Whether it's going to keep increasing in size or whether it's going to obey you and be cast into the sea. I don't know about you, but I prefer my mountains to be cast into the sea. Amen? I enjoy climbing natural mountains for the natural beauty of natural mountains. But when it comes to mountains, obstacles in my life, I want them to be removed. I don't want them to become larger. And so keep your ears open. Keep looking to God. And this will help you this morning. So in mountain moving faith, moving what mountain? First and foremost in these universal principles, the very first principle is that we have to have faith in God. Jesus simply replied to the disciples. They were intrigued, amazed that he spoke to a tree and the tree obeyed him. And they were intrigued by that. And Jesus simply said, have faith in God. For if you have faith in God, you would say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. It would obey you as well. Having faith in God. So we have to answer the question, first of all, what is faith in God? What is faith? If I'm going to have faith in God, if I'm going to have something in God and it's called faith, I need to know what faith in God is. Well, we have the answer for that uh, in the scripture as well. In uh, Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Living Translation says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. In the New King James says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. In the kingdom of God, in kingdom government, and in kingdom rule, which was what we are a part of. We are a part of this family together, the, the local church and the church universal. We are of the body of Christ. And we are to govern our lives and the affairs of God's kingdom. It, it's a, primarily an unseen realm. It's not a natural realm. It's, a, it's, it's the realm of heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven operating here on the earth. And it's manifested in its various forms as we have faith in God. And we put into play the universal principles that Jesus laid out for us to govern our lives in. So having faith in God. Faith, first of all, is a substance of things hoped for. And it's an evidence of things that are not seen, or we could also just refer to it as it's a persuasion, it's a conviction, and it's a firm belief, confidence that what you are hoping for will actually happen. So be brutally honest with yourself. Do I really have a confidence in God that what I am hoping for will actually happen? Or am I discouraged and, my, and, and, and out of my discouragement, my mountains are becoming larger rather than my mountains moving? So we want to come to a place of having confidence, having a persuasion, a, a, a conviction, and a firm belief that what I hope for will actually happen. Faith in God is that substance that gives me assurance. It gives you assurance. I'm going to say assurance. It's an assurance about the things we cannot see. 
There are things we cannot see with the natural eye until they are manifested, but even though not seeing something is no reason for not believing something. Matter of fact, you don't need to believe something that you see. That's the whole point of believing. That's what I'm hoping for. It's not yet manifested, but I'm believing on the promises of God's word to me that it will come to pass, having faith in Almighty God. Have faith in God. Jesus said you are to have it. Faith is a lifestyle that we as Christians are to live by. It's not an academic topic that we take the course, we get the credits, we get the certificate, and we move on to something else. And after a few years, we forget all about it. It's a lifestyle that we're to be living. Every moment of every day, we're to live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, not by the things that we see with the natural eye, but we're walking by faith. We're walking by a persuasion, a conviction, a firm belief that God's promises are true to us and they will come to pass. I will have that which I am hoping for. So number one principle is to have faith in God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's read that for a moment. 1 Corinthians 2. The Apostle Paul makes some powerful statements here to the church at Corinth about his presentation of the gospel and the reasoning behind it. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. He said, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ and the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I did this, Paul intentionally did this so that the people that were receiving the gospel message, that their trust or their faith would be in God, not in the wisdom of man, but rather it would be in the power of God. Jesus said, have faith in God. The apostle Paul was very careful in presenting the gospel so that people would, have, would develop a faith in God, not in his cleverness, not in his persuasive speech, not on how he delivered, not in any presentation, but simply faith in the power of God, that the trust would be in God. And it ties right in with what Jesus instructed is that we are to have faith in God. Hebrews eleven six, we are instructed that without faith, It is not even possible to please God, for he who comes to God is to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So purpose to continue to uh, be a hearer of the word of God, to continue to be a student of the word of God, purpose to continue to be building up your your faith in the the book of Jude. In the book of Jude in verse 20, it tells us that you build up your most holy faith by praying in the spirit. I encourage you to pray in the spirit, build up your, your most holy faith and really purpose to press in and to have faith in God. And, and don't buy into the lie that you just don't have any faith. You do have faith. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, I believe it is, tells us that every person has received a measure of faith. You have received a measure, a seed of faith. The Bible tells us that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you would speak to the mulberry tree. So we're not talking about faith in large proportions. We're talking about faith in God. 
When we're talking about mountain-moving faith, don't be thinking about the mountain or the size of the mountains. Be thinking about faith in God. Jesus said in, in Luke 17, I believe it is, that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up and be cast into the sea, and an interesting thing would happen. He said, it would obey you. The fig tree obeyed Jesus. The mulberry tree, Jesus said, would obey you if you have faith as a mustard seed. Well, mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, so it's not the size of the seed. It's not the size of the faith. It's what you do with the seed. The seed has to be planted, and when it's planted, it will grow and become larger. When your measure of faith, when your little mustard seed faith is put into operation, when it's sown, it will begin to grow, and it will become larger and stronger than the mountain, than the obstacles before you, and eventually the mountains and the obstacles before you will obey what you thought was just a tiny, tiny little portion of faith. But Jesus said this. These are teachings of Jesus. Can you give it up for Jesus this morning? Huh? <laughs> Well, gee, Pastor Ray, I thought that was some doctrine of men that came out, you know, back in the 60s and 70s and 80s or even sometime before that. No, 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 it was you know, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus taught this. Mountain moving faith. So I just wanted to whet your appetite with that. You have enough right there, enough verses to go look at and to read and, and to uh, just really get settled in them and to begin to allow it to grow. But remember, it's that mustard seed size. So don't be thinking, well, if it's a huge mountain, I need huge faith. Well, the big mulberry tree was moved by mustard seed size faith. So your mountain can be removed by mustard seed size faith. Amen. All right, so now let's talk about what mountain. Just exactly what was Jesus talking about when he said, if you have, you know, you could say to this, have faith in God, and you would say to this mountain, be removed, and it would obey you. What mountain exactly is he talking about? At the time Jesus is saying it uh, in Mark in this setting, he's, he's uh, standing near, uh, uh, near the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives. That's where he's standing. Uh, he was in a confrontation with the religious leaders over, his, over, the, claim, uh, over the claim of his authority and, and, and about his temple actions when he came in and he cleared out the temple and, and so on. Uh, there was a lot going on there, and Jesus made this bold statement about having faith in God and, and, and moving mountains. And so exactly what mountain is he talking about? Well, some scholars believe well, simply he's talking about the Temple Mount. Others say, well, no, it's, 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 uh, it, it could be various different mountains and so forth. But I, I lean towards thinking that Jesus, uh, he could have been referring to the prophecy found in, in Zechariah chapter 4. Let me read that to you, just a couple of verses in Zechariah. It's found in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It's right almost at the end of the New Testament, right before Malachi, the last book of the New Testament, you find Zechariah. And if you look at chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, and the setting here is that the temple here was being rebuilt, the kingdom God's kingdom government was being reestablished. This was a time of restoration taking place here in, in, in Israel. So let's read this, verse 6 and 7. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, it's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way 
it will become a level plain before him. And, then, and when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it and may God bless it. The New King James ends that up with saying, well, the shouts of grace. With shouts of grace, they'll shout grace to it. So the mountain before them, then the shouting grace. And so, who are you, great mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain with shouts of grace, grace to it. It's a declaration that declaring the removal of all obstacles. What's taking place here is, I believe, it prophetically and specifically here talking to Zerubbabel about the temple being rebuilt and all the obstacles that are before him and anything that is hindering the work that is before him concerning the restoration of the kingdom of God in Jerusalem, that all obstacles to the restoration of the kingdom in Jerusalem are going to be removed with shouts of grace, shouts of grace, shout grace to it. Jesus said, if you say to this mountain be removed it will obey you hear their shouting god may god bless it or they're shouting grace to it so jesus is the one that declared if you have faith in god have faith in god you will say to the mountain be thou removed so number one it requires a mountain it, number one it requires that you have faith in god don't shy away from building up your faith in God. Don't, don't uh, again, ever approach it as a, as a doctrine that you need to, to read about or take a course on and then go on and get, get something else under your belt. It's a lifestyle that we're to live by. Romans 1.17 tells us that the, the righteous people of God, the children of God, are to live by their faith in God. So it's vitally important that we live by faith, in order to live by faith, we need to know what it is and how it functions. So again, much more can be and needs to be said about that and taught on that. But for, this, for the sake of time here this morning, we're not going to go into it any longer. But have faith in God, a, a mountain moving faith, and then ask yourself, what mountain? And remember, this principle is a principle that works for small things or large things. Don't hesitate to apply your faith to little things. And that's especially important in the culture here in, the, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, in Berks County, Lancaster County, and the Lutheran, the German, the Dutch, the Mennonite, the Amish, whatever we are, but, you know, stubborn. And, uh, you know, just, you know, we have a tendency to think that we can just tough it. We can, we're tough people, and we don't, need, we don't need any assistance with the small stuff. I remember being an associate minister in Florida before I moved up here to start uh, the Pioneer Grace Church. And it seemed like an associate pastor down there, I get phone calls for people that have a prayer request and say, yes, how may I pray for you? Well, I have a hangnail. <laughs> now I can, just, I can remember coming up here when, when the church was being started, I would come up once a month in January, February, March, and January, February, March, it was of 1984, and have a, a weekend services, Friday night, Saturday night, and then a Sunday morning service. But I remember the one couple that was coming, uh, after, after the fact, one, I had been here one month, and the next month I came back, and he said, oh, and, and, he, and this couple wasn't there, so I inquired about it, because they were part of the small group. So I inquired about what's, what's up, and he said, oh, he said, he, he's, he's, he's doing fine, but he had back surgery, he had a disc removed. I thought back surgery, and he had a disc removed, and uh, he didn't bother asking for prayer. <laughs> it's like, 
And I was like, okay, this is a little bit different environment, but uh, you know, we'll acclimate. You know, I'm not that far from here. I grew up in Lancaster County, so I know exactly what's going on. But so the, the culture here has a tendency to be very uh, self-sufficient and, and take a lot of pride in it. Well, you can do that if you want, but I have news for you. We don't need to. We can put our faith and our confidence in God, and we can trust him, and we can hope for, and we can believe that the things that we are hoping for will actually come to pass, that he is our helper. So let's have our faith in God. Let's, let's, let's draw on that, small things or big things. You know, if you consider back surgery, having a disc removed, a small thing, and you, don't, you, know, you just want to do it without any prayer support, go ahead, go for it. But... You know, you can also uh, put your faith in God and believe that he's with you. So big things as well. What are your little things? What are the big things in your life? You identify them. You know what they are. I just want to encourage you, apply your faith in God to the small things and to the big things. It's the same faith, whether it's mustard seed size faith or whatever size that you feel like you're having. It's the application of it is what makes it work on your behalf. So any mountain, any mountain. So how am I going to move these mountains in my life? How, how are they going to move? Like I mentioned, first of all, you have faith in God. Second of all, identify the mountains, whether they're small or they're large. Then thirdly, we're going to be looking at exactly how are they going to move. We're just going to simply go back here and keep it simple. Just look at the simplicity of what, but yet how profound it is of what Jesus said when the disciples were marveling at the fig tree when he said, have faith in God. Verse 23, I tell you the truth. Everyone say, this is true. This is the truth. Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. You can say to your mountain. You can say to your mountain, small mountain, large mountain. You can say it. You can say to it. What are you going to say to it? Well, in this case, it said, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. It will happen. Everyone say, it will happen. Whoever says to this mountain, the mountains in your life, are they obeying you and being removed? Are the obstacles before you being removed or are they getting larger in your life? Here's a principle I want to share with you this morning. That if there's more bondage in our lives than, than we know is related to the way we are speaking. Jesus is teaching that if you speak your faith in God and you speak to mountains, they would obey you. You say, well, Pastor Ray, I don't, I don't speak my mountains into existence. I didn't ask for this mountain. I'm not saying you did ask for it, and I'm not saying you spoke it into existence. But you have an adversary who's more than happy to put obstacles in front of you. It might start as a molehill, and then you make a mountain out of it. You probably use that on someone else already. Say, oh, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. This issue's not that big a deal. You're just making, you're, you're blowing it up. Well, we have a tendency to make mountains out of molehills. The enemy will put something in front of us, it, it, uh, an obstacle, whatever it may be. Maybe a physical obstacle, maybe a relational thing, it may be a financial thing, maybe health, whatever it may be. And it may not seem like that big a deal at first. But the important thing for you to know is that you are to operate 
and function in life by having a faith and a confidence in Almighty God. And when you have a faith and a confidence in Almighty God, you have a vocabulary that comes into alignment with that. And that's my challenge to you this morning, is to check your vocabulary. And again, you might be saying, well, I didn't, I didn't ask for this. I didn't speak it into existence. I, did, I, I didn't declare that I'm going to have this issue, that I'm going to have this challenge, that I'm going to have this a medical diagnosis. I, I, I didn't ask for it. No, you didn't. I don't think you did. But you may have been challenged with it. It may have crept up before you, appeared before you, it may have come on you. Now the important thing is, is what are you going to do with the mountain that now stands before you? You don't speak it into being, but when it comes before us as a direct result of the enemy, of our adversary, Satan, we accept it and we affirm its presence by our words. Little ache, little pain. Ah, oh, my cold. I never say my cold. I don't want it to be my cold. I don't name it my cold. And if I feel like I have a cold, I don't, I don't own it. I resist it. When I sneeze, I'm not catching a cold. I'm resisting a cold. So I don't say, oh, I must be catching a cold. I'm not catching a cold. Say, Pastor, you're being nitpicky. No, I'm not. I don't want to affirm anything that's coming against me, and I don't want to give it any right to establish its presence in my life and give it the authority to continue to dominate my life by giving it a license. You don't believe for the mountains that are before you. You didn't confess them into being. They manifested and we affirm and we accept it. And when we do that, we give it legal authority to build a stronghold in our lives by the words that we speak. Once we name something with spoken words, you're giving it a license to hang around and to watch for its opportunity to advance its intent for the molehill to become a mountain. And it has every right to occupy now because of the decisive and deterministic capacity given to words by our God. God designed words to be creative and to be deterministic. And you see that from the very beginning in Scripture, God said, and it was so. Words are very deterministic. And so you want to be speaking the words that Jesus instructs us to speak. We want to be speaking life. And Matthew, excuse me, in Proverbs 18, 21 teaches us that, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So we want to always be speaking life. 
We want to be speaking to the mountain, and we never want to give mountain the opportunity. You never want to give mountain the legal permission to exist and to dominate in your life. So don't give it legal authority, and don't feed it by speaking negative words about yourself, over yourself, over your loved ones. People wonder why things are such a mess in our culture and in our country and in our government. What are we speaking? What are we speaking over those impositions of authority over us? What are we praying over them? I really think we have exactly what we're saying. What I see manifested in our world today is exactly what I hear being spoken all over the airwaves. Even our personal lives, what are we speaking? Let's, make it, let's, let's begin with our personal lives and our families. What are we speaking? Am I speaking what represents faith in God? Have faith in God. You will say to this mountain, this obstacle before you, be removed, it will obey you. Have faith as a mustard seed. You'll say to this tree, be plucked up and be cast into the sea and it will obey you. Your words, having faith in God, manifested by your vocabulary, first and foremost. Let's get our vocabulary in alignment with what God declares about us to be true. That we are born again, children of the Most High God. That we have been redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That he has declared us to be without fault, to be without blame, and to be spotless in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That he raised Jesus Christ up from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and might. And you he has made alive together with him and raised you up together with him to be seated together with him in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and might. That is your spiritual authority. That is your spiritual position. And that is the position where you speak from. And you speak from that position because you have a faith in Almighty God. My faith in God will not allow me to speak negative over myself. My faith in God does not permit me to speak negative over our country, over the leaders of this country. My faith in God does not permit me to speak negative over anyone. It does not permit me to speak death, sickness, and disease, or poverty, or illness over anyone, not myself and not anyone else. 
else. It does not permit me to be judgmental. It does not permit me to, to uh, be biased. It does not permit me to be prejudiced. It does not permit it because I have faith in God and my faith in God gives me a certain, gives me guidelines to my vocabulary. And when I stay within the guidelines of my vocabulary, mountains move, they go into the sea, trees are plucked up, they obey and they're cast into the sea. It works because it's a universal principle that Jesus taught and I believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and my Savior and I choose to be in alignment with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to speak what he speaks about me and that's all I'm going to say. That's all I have to say about that. Amen. You come into the kingdom of God. This is what Christianity is, is about. We come into God's kingdom. We are born again because the Bible tells us if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you're born again. You become a new person. Your sins are forgiven because you believe something and you said something. That principle of becoming born again, coming into the kingdom of God, being saved by grace through faith in God and through declaring our faith in God, we, we, are, we join the family of God. Now that we are in the family of God, we don't stop talking. We continue to believe in our heart. I found out that Jesus forgave me of my sin. I thought, wow. And then I found myself at an altar at a, at a church one Sunday night and confessing him as my Lord, my Savior. Then I find out that he has done other things for me. And I believe them in my heart and I confess them and I receive them. And then I find out he's done something else. And he's done something else. And there's other promises. Whenever I find out there's a promise that he did for me, that he provided for me, I believe it in my heart. I confess it with my mouth. It works. Mountains move. Mountains move. There's a popular song. It's a good song. I enjoy the song. I just want to challenge you, and if you like it also, and you, and you listen to it, and you like to worship God with it, not knocking it, it's far more good in it than anything, any wrong intent, but move the mountains. He'll do it again. I've seen you move. I've seen you move the mountains, and I believe that you'll do it again. I would sing that song and sing that song. I love that song. I see you move the mountain. I believe you'll do it again. One challenge with it. Just one challenge with it. Jesus said, you speak to the mountain. See, we can sing that song. Well, I've seen God move mountains and God will move mountains again, but I'm not speaking to it and it's not moving. You want it to move. Start talking. Start talking faith in Jesus' name. I promise you that's all I have to say about that, so I really mean it. That's all I have to say about that. But if you're here today or you're watching us online and you never came to that place in your life where you believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died at the cross to forgive you of your sin, and you never taken that moment to confess that with your mouth, coming into the kingdom, having that transition from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son, 
Let's take a moment right now and do that. If you're here with us this morning, I want to encourage you to do it online, right there where you're watching right now. Let's go ahead and make this declaration. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ shed his blood to forgive me of all my sin. I believe that you raised him from the dead and I want to declare Jesus Christ today as my Lord and my Savior. I repent from all my ways, all my sin, and I confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. From this day forward, I'm a born again child of God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. If you prayed that prayer for your very first time, we invite you to stop by our, our Connection Center right over here, uh, back here to my left. Uh, if you're online, you prayed that prayer with us, please make a connection with us uh, online there. You can do that and let us know. We, we, uh, we want to rejoice with you and celebrate with you. Have an awesome week. And, and again, kids go back to school, college students, you're going back, teachers, faculty. It's going to be a great year in Jesus' name. Amen. You're going to have a great year. God bless you all, and we'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless.